Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. We really do want to create a world where racial equity is the norm. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. As always, we want to begin our show by grounding and centering us for the important conversation ahead. So I invite you, if you would, to just connect with the feel of your body in your chair and plant your feet solidly on the floor. If you would, close your eyes just for a moment and begin to take some deep breaths in and out, connecting with who you are, connecting with your environment around you, connecting with the people that are around you and not just the people who are present in the room or the next room, but extending out into your community and into the larger world. Breathe in and out, connecting now with the essence of who you are connecting with your power source, connecting with your divine wisdom. Breathe in and out, being mindful that your breath is life. Breathe in and out knowing that life itself continues to perpetuate life that is abundant, that is good, that is loving and kind. Life feeds on itself. What we think matters. What we focus our attention on matters. So breathe in and out your power. Your power from your connection with divine wisdom your power to make choices that are good for you and that manifest your greatness while manifesting the greatness of others. Connect with your power source, your innate power, your infinite power. Know that everything you need is available for you. Breathe in and out. Just receiving that. That because you are connected with something greater than yourself, possibilities exist for healing racial separation. Connect with your own power to heal. Recognizing that from you comes love because you are love itself and you are loved unconditionally. You are divinely created. So breathe in and out. Recognizing that the power of one contributes to the power of community. Breathe in and out, recognizing that you can change the status quo. Breathe in and out, knowing that you are not alone. We're here for one another and we can change the world. So they take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and let's begin. In many ways, there's a collective consciousness of scarcity, fear, anger, and hatred that seems to be permeating the world right now. But it's important for us to see how we perpetuate and contribute to that mindset, to this collective consciousness that we cannot dismantle racism. Perhaps it's in our language because I often hear people say, is it possible to dismantle racism? 
or no, I won't ever see that in my lifetime. Or maybe it's our beliefs about the other, what the other is doing. And often what I see as well is people getting angry when folks don't show up the way they want them to. And these are folks who we believe are on the same page as we are, but sometimes we don't believe that they're doing enough. The ways in which we perpetuate racism, the ways in which we perpetuate this belief that we can't heal the world starts with our thinking. It also starts with our language that we're using because both those things lead to our behavior and how we show up. Today, I want us to think about how we're showing up in the world, even with the best of intentions. How are we showing up in the world? How are we using our innate power to heal the world? You heard me say that we are divinely created, and I believe that. Your beliefs might be different, but I believe that we all harness this power within us, that if we were to use it and use it to our fullest degree, that we can contribute to dismantling racism. If we use our full strength, and it starts with the belief that we have the power to make a difference. That we came in this world fully equipped with all the resources that we need. It's inherent within us. But not only is it inherent within us, just look around. Look around at the people who support us, indirectly and directly. Who are the people who help us move through life day to day? And perhaps you might say, well, I don't have many of those people around. But if you look carefully, I bet you will see. And I also bet that if you look carefully, you will see that there are people out here who want to dismantle racism, who want to change the world, who want to achieve racial equity. I see it all the time. But we have to open up our spirits, open up our bodies, open up our energy enough to receive those people. If we think small, if we play small, we cannot change the world. We can't even change ourselves or our circumstances. If you want greatness to occur in your life individually, you have to start by recognizing your power. You have to start by accepting it, receiving it. And then once you recognize your power, because we all have power, regardless of our status, socioeconomic status, regardless of how we identify in terms of gender or race, each of us contain, we have a container of innate power. We just have to figure out how to use it. And then once we do, we have to use it responsibly. So I can't use my power to harm other people. That's not what it means to manifest my greatness. My greatness is tied to your greatness and vice versa. So I invite you today to spend some time doing the breath work that I do every week when we come on, sitting in that space of connecting with your power, because that power will lead to hope, it will lead to faith, it will lead to wisdom, and above all, it will lead you to demonstrate your power in love, and love is an action. It's not passive. We all can do this. We all can heal the world if we use our power. Today on our show, I am joined by Martha Alter Hines. 
We are going to be discussing how alignment and remembrance of ourselves as being uh, beings with an eight divine intelligence supports the work of dismantling racism. When we are challenging injustices in, a wor in, in this world, if we are in alignment with our divine source, we can actually liberate ourselves from this deep-seated unconsciousness and particularly unconsciousness around the ways in which we perpetuate racism and colonization. The deep conditioning that we all have, there's work for all of us to do. It does not matter the color. And I know it gets tiring, particularly for people of color, but we must continue in this work. And we must know that even as individuals who've been oppressed, we also have power. So today, Martha Hines will talk to us about being in alignment. She is a mom, an author, a healer, and an astrologer. She's had 20 years of experience as a clinical social worker and a psychotherapist and a body worker. She bridges her trauma-informed clinical background with a deep understanding of ourselves as beings of the cosmos, earth, divine, heart, mind, and so much more. Martha is dedicated to serving our world, to helping each of us thrive, and to supporting us to come back to that place of infinite wisdom and healing, which is our natural state of being. So before the break, I just want to say welcome, Martha. I am so delighted to have you join us today. Thank you. You got me crying through this whole, the whole beginning. <laughs> well, fortunately, Martha, we are coming up on a break. So yeah. you have time to gather <laughs> and collect yourself. And when we come back, we're going to just jump right into it, Martha, so that we can help folks figure out how they can align with the power that already resides within them. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We will be right back. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
We're back with my guest today, Martha Hines. And Martha, let's just jump right into it because we're talking about our soul alignment and the ways in which we can use that to dismantle racism. Talk to me a little bit about when you first realized who you are as an innate being with access to divine wisdom and power. Um, I think probably for all of us, that it's like a multi-layered experience that's continually evolving. So uh, I would say I, I started having experiences that helped me to remember probably around age 21 when I started um, learning Reiki. I, well, in high school, I had gone to the Unity Church. And so, you know, I was waking up to certain aspects of my divine self. But then in my 20s and into my 30s, I was doing a lot of energy work uh, with people kind of on the side as I was also a social worker. And so through through that energy work, I was starting to experience spirits and all kinds of, you know, spiritually related things. Um, but I'd say it's really starting about, well, and then I had another kind of major experience in 2012 after my daughter was born. And then the most significant period of like really remembering the, to whatever extent I quote unquote remember at this moment began, I would say four years ago in 2018 mm. um, with an experience that then led to me leaving my social work job and um yeah so it's it's a, been a gradual multi-layered mm. thing i'm sure i'm not done <laughs> i'm sure right. not, yeah. well none of us ever are yeah. but now, so, so let's back up a little bit because you talked about this awakening of understanding your divine self basically in your 20s and after you've gone to like unity church opening you up did you have an experience before that with being a part of any religious organization or institution well um, i i was born in thailand and i lived in bangladesh and pakistan and then later in kenya as a child and so i and my family had been missionaries in India. So there's, there was always a kind of undercurrent of religious values or connection to the divine being very important. And I also attended, when I was living in various countries, I attended many different places of worship of all different religions. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was always there. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I, I was a child. I mean, I didn't consciously understand what I was feeling, but there was always this spark, you know, of this divine knowing in me that I was witnessing and experiencing from many different angles through mm-hmm. my whole life. Yeah. So I love that. And and one of the reasons why I wanted to ask about that, because uh, two things. Uh, one, I think that many people are a part of religious institutions and they never come to an understanding of their own innate divine wisdom mm-hmm. and power. They believe it to be something that's out there. Mm-hmm. They don't connect with the fact that we really are. And the way I actually um, teach the, 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 the congregation that I lead i often talk about we are the manifestation of the divine we the divine is working through us so and we're showing up as as god right and for some people that's shocking oh no 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 no. and i'm like but you are fully human and you're fully divine you came into this this world created in this image of the divine don't don't leave that part out of who you are. And I think that's why a lot of people don't connect with their own divinity because they want to see the divinity as something other than them, right? So I think it's important that you have talked about over time how this blossomed because it was always there. So I want to encourage listeners to go back and to tap in to that if they've been missing out on that part. But I also think you said something 
else that was really important. There's a part developmentally, even where we can't understand all of what we what we hear. Even if it's just going to church and hearing the pastor talking about God's presence in your life, you can't get that necessarily when you're at 10 or 11 in the same way that you do as you grow older. So spirituality and our understanding of who we are develops over time and people have to be willing to explore it because I, that's the beautiful thing about what you were talking about with your trajectory. It evolves over time. And then the third thing that I heard you say, see, there was lots of stuff that I that I heard in there, is that you were open to different ways of experiencing the divine. Mm-hmm. Do you see that as important? Oh, it's crucial. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there cannot possibly be one way that God can be known. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, abs- yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huge part of my, the experience of growing up around the world that was, front and center for me was that, you know, there can't, cannot be only one right answer. And mm-hmm. yeah. is there an experience that you feel comfortable talking to us about where you've accessed this divine wisdom or where there was enlightenment that, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm powerful beyond belief as Marianne Williamson. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, there are many, uh, I would say the most, the one thing that's coming to my mind that was pretty stark was when I was, let's see, four years ago in 2018, I was a, I was a supervisor at child protective services in the County where I live. And I was in charge of a very intense program that was trying to prevent kids from being taken from their families. So I felt really passionately about it. It was cutting edge, very progressive program. And um, I had an experience, much longer story, but the short version, (laughs) I had an experience where um, I had a set of spirits come to me. Like a it was a circle of eight spirits. This had never happened to me before. (laughs) And they told me, you are going to need to start channeling, which I had never done. Mm-hmm. And we're going to channel through you and you are, you're going to write down what we say. And then what you channel will become the platform. These are their words. will become the platform for what we need you to do next. Mm-hmm. But then they, they outlined for me a set of things that would happen, such as that I needed to switch my position in the social work in that social work um, organization and that that position would then allow me to travel to, I live in Southern California. It would allow me to travel to Northern California on a regular basis. Um, And it was up there that they would start channeling through me. So this seemed insane, crazy, (laughs) but I somehow believed it. And so I took action to make, it happened. And on the second day that I was in that other social work position that they had told me that I should be in, I got assigned a client in Northern California. They had actually specifically said, you need to go an hour north of San Francisco on a regular basis so that we can start channeling through you. And I got assigned a client an hour north of San Francisco Mm -hmm. who I had to go see once a month. Mm-hmm. And when I went up there, I began feeling this need to channel and it began happening. And I channeled, then I channeled uh, the first book in the series of books that I'm channeling in September of 2018. So exactly four years ago, this, this experience of the four, I mean, of the eight spirits happened in April of 2018. And then I channeled that first book in September of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it was the most uncanny, bizarre experience, <laughs> but it came exactly as they said. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know what I appreciate about the story is because you're a clinical social worker. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You recognize, you yeah. recognize that others out here will see this story as, yeah. it, you know, insane. It's, 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 or, or like, is she seeing things? Is she hearing yeah. things? And yeah. there comes a distinction 
Yeah. Which I think is really important because we're both therapists here, right? You know, as a psychologist, I, I get it. I understand it. There's a distinction between one who has a thought disorder right. and hears voices and sees things uh, as opposed to being spiritually awakened and hearing things. Now, I'm not saying thought disordered people do not hear from spirit because I certainly believe that. But you and I both know that there's a difference in the way it presents itself. And what I want our listeners to be open to are the multiple ways in which the divine can speak to you. For some people, it might be eight spirits saying something to you. Sometimes it's just a voice. I have clearly heard a voice say something to me, and I end up either working in that place uh, that that the voice has said, oh, you're going to be working there. And it's uncanny, as you say. Yeah. Uh, there have uh, been times when spirit has clearly said, reach out to that person. It's about paying attention to that innate voice because that innate voice will guide us even as it relates to how we should dismantle racism. So I want to move to the second question that I want to ask you around your 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 consciousness. Um, you know, you've talked about your consciousness around spirit, but as we as we get ready to go to break, I really want to have you to think about your consciousness around race when you first realized who you were as a racial being, because you've talked about your upbringing and all of these different places. So that obviously awakened you to being different, but different in in whatever ways, right? But your consciousness around who you are as a racial being, and in particular, around being a white person as it's defined, because we know that race is a social construct. So let's just get that out of the way. It's a social construct. We're more than who we present ourselves to be. But I'd love you when we come back from the break to talk about uh, when you first became aware of who you are as uh, a being who's in this white body. So we're going to take a break. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. My guest today is Martha Hines, and we'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're back with my guest today. Martha Hines is with us. And we've been talking about being aligned with our soul being and uh, really following that 
that power that lies within to dismantle racism. So before the break, Martha, I ask you to think about when you first begin to realize who you are as a, a being who presents as a white uh, individual. So when did you know who you were racially? Well, I think that also is a ongoing developmental journey, <laughs> you know, and so there were various stages. So like you said, because of the way I grew up and where I grew up, it was from the minute I was born, probably very stark to me that I was, um, my skin color was different and my status was very, very, very starkly different than the people surrounding me in, let's say, Bangladesh was my first home. Then I moved to the United States. Then I moved to Pakistan. Um, so those were the the main homes I had as an early childhood child. <laughs> um, and at that stage, what was very clear was not only was I white, I was white in a society where white people were treated like gods. So mm -hmm. it was like in the United States, being white absolutely has major privilege and all of these things that we know. But growing up in that setting, it was that, but on steroids. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so, you know, it was incredibly stark. And then, um, and then my, my stepmother, who I met when I was seven, she was from Pakistan and she was very, very from a very poor family with very dark skin in a part of Pakistan that's quite, um, it's very near Afghanistan. So it had, anyway, it's a very extreme part of Pakistan. And she and I were extremely close. And again, long story, much shorter through interacting with her, through hearing the stories of her life, and then through watching her experiences living in Pakistan living in Kenya, living in the United States, and living in South Africa, um, where my dad and she lived when I was in, co in college, I think that was when it hit me the strongest on a personal level, what the institutionalized racism of our entire world does to people who I love deeply. Mm. And then, but that, so that that's, you know, one layer of getting it that I'm in this particular privileged situation. But the thing that is really hitting me the most strongly now is not only am I white, but I, I grew up in a colonialized society. So again, in South Asia or in Kenya or South Africa, the white people were colonizers, literally, right? So there's so many layers to that mindset of the white or European or United States way of being as being better than mm -hmm. that was just ingrained in me and totally surrounding me. So there's so many layers now of me seeing things in myself that I would, I was never aware of ever. That so I I wanted to just, yeah. I, so before you get to that place of where you want it to change and need to change. I want us to go back because what does that feel like? What does that feel like to grow up in this white skin and knowing that people worship you in that way and that you have that power and that privilege? What does it feel like? Because that's a sense of freedom that not everybody walks around with, that, that many people of color don't. Like, you know, I know that even though I'm free as a divine being, I, I, there are times where I know I have to be careful where I walk, be careful what I do. And it's not based on being a woman, it's based on my Blackness. So what does that feel like to have that, that power and privilege? Actually, as a female, a white female in, let's say, anywhere in South Asia, for me, it actually felt pretty scary because, mm -hmm. um, and very vulnerable. So for example, you know, we might be riding in a car and all the men would be literally staring and pointing the whole time. Mm -hmm. So it actually felt very invasive. Ah. Um, it didn't feel like freedom. It felt like the opposite. Okay. And that's important. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, there was an incredible freedom in the sense that we could afford anything we could, we had servants. I mean, there's so many layers. I look back on it now and have so many issues with, but that was part of the reality was I was just economically incredibly privileged at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now in this point in my life, I've also been a single mom and, you know, have struggled just to even afford to eat. And, you know, so I've lived many oh, parts right. of life. Yeah. So when did it shift for you? So you grow up with this privilege, mm-hmm. you know, and you've been in many countries, as you've said, so you grow up with that and then coming to the United States, even as a, a single mom who struggled and, and, um, you know, I definitely uh, want to honor that space of you. There are still other privileges that you afford just as a white woman. Um, when did it start to shift for you that, wait a minute, there's something not right about this and that I have a responsibility to make a change? Yeah, again, I think there's so many different layers of that. I I think I recognize the need for us as people who do have white skin to change um, way back, you know, childhood, for sure, mm-hmm. and through my entire adulthood. But I think it was actually, and this is relevant to the topic we're discussing today, I think it coincided with the more and more and more kind of, I guess you could say, spiritually awake, I more open I become to the divine intelligence just moving as me, suddenly I see things that I haven't seen before. Like all those layers of the colonialist mindset that I have, that is really the thing that is stark for me right now. And I think that began mm, probably in the last two, three years. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and one of the wake up calls, which I think is probably pretty stereotypical for you. And I know, I think I've heard you talk about this being sort of frustrating <laughs> for <laughs> you is the election uh, when Trump almost won for a second time. And, you know, the mm-hmm. starkness of the incredibly horrific racism that is so rampant in this country. Well, yeah. and, and to be clear, so let me be clear that the the my in in terms of what you're referring to my frustration or my like disbelief so to speak mm-hmm. really one yes the Trump election but more so when George Floyd was killed and people mm-hmm. are like like I I didn't know things were this bad mm-hmm. well actually if we go back to even when President Obama was elected. This whole tea party. How much do you hear about a tea party now? Mm-hmm. Not very much, do you? But with that, with him having to prove that he 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 was born in the United States, all of these things, right? So so that's the that's the piece that's like, did did you not know that racism existed? But again, I take people where they are, right? And we move in this place of love and expansiveness. And what I think happened with the sacrifice, and I'm going to say the sacrifice of George Floyd and all the other people who had been killed before and after, but somehow people woke up a little bit with with George Floyd, is that I think that there is this expansiveness that people are saying, this is not who we want to be. So we need to figure this thing out. What I think in terms of hearing your story, Martha, though, is that all of those experiences that you had, those collective experiences, those things prepare you for what you're doing now because you can understand colonization in ways that other folks may not understand it. You you witness it when you went to other countries because people in other countries like to say, oh, we don't have racism. But yet, you've just given us examples of it, right? So I'm wondering, from your perspective of who we are as divine beings and who we believe ourselves to be as racial beings, how do we bring 
those two consciousnesses together so that we can really achieve a world where we can manifest the greatness of everyone, that we can see that there's a shared humanity. Well, one of the big things that I notice in myself as I really connect with that inner divine wisdom that is me is, first of all, that innate divine wisdom that is all of us is us and isn't us, right? So when I turn myself over to that power, suddenly I can be wrong. (laughs) Mm. It's okay for me to be wrong, to have been wrong, to continue to be wrong, (laughs) and (laughs) to keep realizing that I'm wrong. And so there's a humility that comes with it because um, there's this intelligence that is so far beyond the human me, and yet it's also me. So it's okay to be wrong because I'm also just relaxing into this reality of ourselves as everything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then also when I relax into that place, suddenly the vision of something that's more true becomes so starkly clear, Mm. you know? So it's both, both I, I see things differently when I relax into that place and I can let go into the humility that I think is pretty crucial especially for people who have been in such incredible places of power, we need to be okay being wrong. (laughs) Seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you're working with people, where do you start with them, with helping them to um, just bring themselves in alignment and and to do exactly what you just said? Um, Well, I have a number of ways. Almost everything I do these days is channeled. And so when I hold space for people, every person is different, like you said, and every person's need is going to be different. But typically, the people who come to me are ready and needing what it is I'm channeling. So I really hold them in a prayer space on in various different ways in groups and in, in, within individuals, um, where we are led by the spirit world essentially into a visceral remembering of the light of our selves, our heart, the earth, the divine, all is one. Mm-hmm. And so we get purely aligned in that oneness of ourselves. And then we just let go mm, into mm. ourselves as the divine. Yeah. I love that. Um, because really what you're saying is you're inviting folks into this space of, of, of blocking out all of this excess noise that's mm. out here that tells us that we're something other than the divine beings that we were created to be. So I love that you just bring them into, I love the word remembrance because mm. I often talk about that is that I think the reason why most people show up in this place of fear and hatred and all of that is because they've forgotten that they are divine beings before we ever chose to, to, to come here and to be in this earthly realm. We, we came from a place of divinity, right? And so it's about remembering that that's who we are. Now, of course, we've just shaken some folks up with that thought, but we're going to take a break and they have time to settle in mm-hmm. on that part of the conversation and really to, to imagine connecting with your divine self, because if you can connect with that innate part of you, you'll recognize that you can change the world. We're going to be right back. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? 
I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back with the Dismantle Racism Show. Martha, in our last um, few moments of the show, talk to me about what's been the most difficult part for you to stay engaged in this work of dismantling racism. Because, you know, it's been my experience for, in in terms of the people that I work with, and even the ones I don't work with, actually, Um, it's easy for white people to opt out and say, you know what, I'm conscious about it, but I, I, it's just too much to do right now. So what's, what's been the hardest part about staying engaged? Hmm. (laughs) Great question. Um, the thing coming up for me, I would say, I wouldn't say this deters me exactly, but it is something I've grappled with a little, and maybe you even have thoughts on it. Um, Something that's felt difficult for me is when I have been challenged in a way that feels aggressive or threatening toward me. Uh, You know, when somebody legitimately sees something I've said or something I'm doing that feels racist or off in some way for them. Um, You know, as you know, there's infinite ways we can respond to that. And sometimes people have been pretty attacking toward me. So again, that doesn't stop me from wanting to continue to do my best to work on these things in myself and in the world. But that does, I do pause for a second and really go deep into what felt right, what felt good, what felt productive for me about that or not. How, what is my honest response to what they're challenging me with? And the way they're challenging me. Um, anyway, that's what comes up. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting um, when you use the word feel attacked. Mm. Because in my experience, particularly when it's interracial, I find that white folks will often feel attacked if a Black person or brown person ask a question. Mm. and and if we do it in the ways in which we normally communicate, particularly when we communicate with one another. Mm-hmm. So often people will say that angry black woman, mm-hmm. you know, I talk and I'm very expressive. Most of the time I talk, I think I talk with a smile on my face, but then there are times when I'm talking about something that I really feel passionate about and, and uh, it, it doesn't call for a smile. And it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily angry. I might say it in a way that's passionate or in a in a, a firm way. Yeah. And part of that is cultural. Mm-hmm. And I have found that uh, in my experience with white people, sometimes uh, white people will say, well, why are you angry? Or, and not just necessarily to me, I've heard this over and over uh, with many Black women in particular expressing this. Um, Well, why are you angry? Or even if we're sitting with our resting face, Mm -hmm. 
in a meeting and folks will say that. So one of the things that I would in, invite you and, um, you know, just other listeners, when you're going into that place, and I appreciate you saying that you're doing the self-examination, think about, well, is this me? Or, you know, am I taking it too personally what this person is saying? And do they present differently as a culture, for instance? You know, my daughter said something to me, interestingly, uh, the other day. She goes to an HBCU, Historically Black College and University. She, she was saying something that this professor said to me. And she said, you know, she got on my case in that Black mama sort of way or that Black woman sort of way, right? Because mm. for us, even if we're not related to you, there's a way that we may speak, particularly to our own, you know, culture people within our culture, we're speaking to you in this loving sort of directive way. And it's not based on anger. And we may not be smiling when we say it, but we're serious about the thing that we're saying. And we don't take it personally. We're not threatened by it. Um, it's just like when people see a black man and they're suddenly threatened, you know, especially if he raises his voice. And I can tell the difference between somebody I need to be afraid of and somebody not, right? So I just want to invite you, uh, since you you asked if maybe I had an opinion about it, mm -hmm. uh, you and our listeners to really kind of think about what well, what did they mean by that? And yes, maybe sometimes that people are angry. Is the anger justified, right? So I appreciate that you keep going through despite what the challenges might be to it and i guess i'm wondering in our remaining time that we have here what words of advice would you give to people who are trying to bring themselves in alignment with their higher self with this innate wisdom in doing the work of dismantling racism what would you what would you offer them to keep going hmm. <laughs> Um, uh, well, again, coming to me is just the words, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to relax into change. It's okay to not know, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, every, anything that you are feeling is fine and you are held. We are held. We are going through a massive time of change on this planet, hopefully, and Part of that is uncomfortable, and I do feel uncomfortable around it a lot of the time myself. I think we all do. Um, and it's all, it's like being birthed, you know, it's mm -hmm. like going through the birth canal. It's not necessarily always fun. Yeah. But um, yeah. You know what's interesting, Martha? I, I was thinking as you were talking, we all have our work to do. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll often hear the phrase, well, it's not, you know, it's white people's work to do but we all have something to do. So while we as people of color have been carrying this burden for years, the work that we have to do is around how do we engage in the conversation with people who want to know how to do better? How do we begin to reconcile our relationship? So there there's work for all of us to do. And as you talk about this going within and recognizing we all can be wrong because I can make assumptions about white people that may not be true or may not be true for that individual. So I think you're inviting us into this place. And of course, I define that place as our sacred intelligence, of course, but you're inviting us into this place of where we're checking in with our true selves, which is more than the color of our skin, which is more than how we identify uh, in terms of gender or socioeconomic status, or even whether we're a mom or not a mom, you're asking us to go to that deep place of wisdom, love, and light. And you're also saying that their spirit guides to help us right? And if people can't get with the terminology of spirit guides, get with whatever resonates with you. 
to know that you are created for something more, right? We are created to work in this world together. Well, another thing coming up for me that's pretty important in the work that I do and is related to that trauma-informed background that I have that you mentioned in my bio. Um, As you're talking, I'm realizing, of course, we all have work to do and we all have a collective trauma state that we are in as a world. It's just the truth. Yes. No matter who we are, that's right. No matter how we grew up, whether or not we were directly traumatized, we absolutely are all surrounded by chronic trauma. Mm-hmm. That's reality, right? So I think like for I'm thinking of just again myself or any of us, when these interactions happen, they're hitting layers of this trauma. And we're reacting a lot of the time from that trauma place. So I guess I would just say again, coming back into that ourselves as the divine or God or whatever is one way we can release from that trauma state. Mm, I love that. I love that, that you're reminding us of that. And certainly over the last few years, that trauma state has been heightened. Well, Martha, we are at the end of our show. So please tell our guests, how can they get in touch with you? My website is livingtheonelight.com. My email is livingtheonelight at gmail.com. And my website, I mean, my YouTube channel is Living the One Light. (laughs) There's the theme. (laughs) Living the One Light. We can find you there. Well, beloved, we are at the end of our show. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And I want to invite you to go inward and find your divine power to help heal the world. Stay tuned uh, for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. Thank you so much to my guest today, Martha Hines, for being with us. May today you tap into that sacred and divine part of yourself that allows you to make choices that manifest your good and the good of others. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman yep. the host oh. of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Passionate about the conversation around racism, 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 